right, everyone, welcome in Red Sox Beat, CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox on Twitter, at Red Sox CLNS, for all the Sox coverage for the network, at CLNS Media on Twitter for the whole network. Uh, show is Red Sox Beat Podcast on Facebook. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. Go click that button. So every week we come right to your inbox. Uh, Jess Thomas, back alongside me this week. I am Jared Scally. Uh, Jess, welcome back. Welcome home. Thank you. I can't believe I missed the... Uh the Jen McCaffrey and the Hanley news, but we'll, we'll catch up with that later. That's definitely an interesting thing that we're also going to talk about here today. So, If it sounds like I have more energy, it's because we're recording this at noon on Sunday and not <laughs> 10 o'clock in the pitch black darkness. So uh, without further ado, we welcome on uh, Chris Cotillo, newly of MassLive.com, uh, newest Red Sox beat writer, just graduated college. And Chris, you make me feel like I wonder what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm glad to definitely be in this new job, you know, coming home and after four four years at UNC, it's going to be you know exciting to be uh, covering the Red Sox and you know my hometown team. And just started last Tuesday, and I'm going to start my game coverage this week at Fenway. So it's uh, obviously a really exciting time and a really exciting team to cover. So I'm, I'm happy with it. Nice, nice. And it's, uh, it seems like everyone on Twitter has been very welcoming to have you on board, So it's, which is good. Um, Chris, we're going to jump right into it because there's a lot going on with this Red Sox team. And I'm intrigued, obviously, outside looking in, uh, you haven't been at Fenway all the time. But um, right away, I want to hit you with the hard-hitting question. The Red Sox just put Pedroia on the DL again. Um, and now is, how concerned should we be with Dustin Pedroia? Going back to the DL, is this going to linger past the 10-day? Um, and we'll get to Mookie, too. But Pedroia is a story because of the whole Hanley move and everything like that, too. So what's your take on this Pedroia situation, and, and what do you think is really going on? Yeah, he's obviously an aging player and a guy who dealt with, you know, that surgery over the winter, came back, and, you know, thought people thought he was ready and struggled when he was in the lineup. Obviously, you know, back on the DL now with some recurring soreness. I don't think it's really fair to say they rushed him back just because they took so long and he rehabbed, and they really went through the plan with not a lot of setbacks. He was in Fort Myers for a while, and you know, but when he got up, went back up, he was just not, you know, feeling 100%. So he's going to, you know, meet with the doctors who worked on the surgery and really kind of talk with the medical staff to see why it's not back to 100%. And, uh, you know, I think exercising caution in that situation is probably a good move. I know it's frustrating for fans, especially, you know, on the heels of that Hanley move. But, you know, if he's not 100%, you don't want a guy, you know, at, at a bigger risk of long-term injury, um, you know, so putting him back on the DL. The timing wasn't great and kind of the circumstances around it wasn't great, but it's uh, if, if he couldn't go 100%, then it's, it's the right move in my mind. Go down the injury line, Chris. Just scoot over to Mookie Betts real quick while we're on the subject because he just got put on the 10-day DL, too. It seems like everyone in the clubhouse is just cautionary. It sounds like if it was September or even just later in the year, he might be on the field. Um, how concerned are you against with Mookie Betts' injury compared to, like, Dustin Pedroia's? Yeah, it sounds like it's more of a minor thing. You know, they waited a little bit for the DL stint. I think, you know, you might have been able to line up things a little bit better if you pulled the trigger on the DL just a little bit earlier with him. But, you know, they did what they did and you know, made it retroactive for as long as they could. So um, he'll be back in a few days. And, you know, it's the same thing. You know, exercising caution, obviously it hurts to not have him and Pedroia for a very important series against, you know, a team that you're probably going to face in the playoffs and in Houston and some national primetime games here. But, Again, it's it's the type of thing where if this was the playoffs, he would be playing. But there's no need to to rush these guys when there's a 162 game season. He's been playing well. You want to keep everybody as healthy as possible for the long run. You know, as we're, we're still pretty early in the year. So Chris, now we kind of teased the Hanley thing. Obviously, they released him. Then Pedroia came back and got hurt. 
then Beth got hurt. So my question for you is, you know, we're seeing these Houston games, they're kind of back and forth. Do you feel like the Sox still have enough firepower in the offense with, you know, J.D. Martinez, Ben Attendee on fire, Mitch Morrill and Mookie Betts, or are they going to be missing Hanley? Was that a bad move, in your opinion? Yeah, still, you know, a great problem to have is, is you know, how many bats they have. But I think the handling move, I think there was a lot of factors with it. You know, Alex Cora came out and said straight up that he was the one that came up with it. And um, Dave Dombrowski agreed and said that Cora was the one that really, you know, kind of drove that move and wanted it to happen. I think there's a lot of factors. And he was struggling. They needed a roster spot positionally. It kind of cleared everything up. And he's a guy that they knew was not going to be happy on the bench. Plus, you know, they're not going to say this publicly because – you know, you never say it's a business move publicly, but that vesting option, they were never going to let him hit that, and that was going to be an awkward storyline for the rest of the year. So it was a kind of a creative move, I think, in, in more ways than people think. People kind of think it was a stupid one, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, if you have Mookie and Pedroia both out, you're going to want a potential big bat in your lineup. But Hanley has not been producing, you know, over the last month as a big bat would. So, you know, there's a confluence of factors that, that really led to him getting cut and you know we'll see where he ends up the next few days and um if he's able to kind of reinvent himself for the rest of this year before hitting free agency and uh another city so follow up on the Hanley thing for a second like do you do you think that because ken rodenzall came out and said hey you know we we don't believe it's not just that factor there's also the factor of they want the young kids to be leaders and no one's really going to step up with Hanley in the clubhouse how much of a factor is that young blood in the clubhouse also a factor of Hanley being gone too yeah I think there's a lot of similarities similarities between you know the two Ramirez we've seen in the last decade in Boston Hanley and Manny and you know Manny was obviously more of a superstar when he was here and Hanley you know struggled at times but it's uh I, I think you know there is kind of that that prima donna attitude that some people thought. You know, I, again, I have not been in the clubhouse yet and have not you know been on this beat for a long time, so it's not fair for me to say you know that I've seen things in person. But it's just you know a lot of people in the media have said Hanley was probably not the greatest clubhouse influence this year. He seemed to be more of a fan favorite and doing a lot of stuff and goofy stuff and you know, but you don't want it to end like it did with Manny ten years ago and and think about you know. Him basically begging for a trade at the end, holding up a sign that said "Trade me for Brett Favre" or whatever that was towards the end, and kind of have that awkward situation where um, you know it's influencing a young team. I think you know he obviously is one of the older players on the team, um, and so to have him you know potentially not happy and behaving you know badly as a bench player is not something you want. It also is a bad look to have uh, an expensive player on your bench. So you know it's obviously I think it's something really impressive almost in this whole situation is that they could strike out so badly on Rutnay Castillo, Sandoval, and Hanley Ramirez and, and, you know, have all those guys for, you know, hundreds of millions and yet no production at all out of those guys and still, you know, have two division titles in the last two years and, you know, obviously looking like they're heading towards a, a playoff run again now. So, you know, they've been able to really kind of hide their mistakes just because the other pieces of the team have been so good, but, you know, makes some makes people wonder if those guys had panned out or if they'd, you know, put that money somewhere else or even with David Price, you know, what this team could have accomplished in the last couple of years. So let's move to the pitching a little bit here, Chris. Um, obviously, another Chris, Chris Sale, um, struggled for the second straight game here against uh, the Astros this time around. Um, are you concerned with Chris Sale? Just obviously with him not pitching as well against against the better teams that he's faced recently. And then I guess the rest of the rotation too with, you know, 
price is kind of you know here or there. Obviously, Pomerantz hasn't been good. Porcello's been up and down recently. So, are you concerned about starting rotation and most specifically Chris Sale? I think you know with Sale, I mean, we always kind of people get on him for the one or two bad starts when he's excellent all the time. So if this you know goes one more start and maybe not as crisp as usual, maybe a little bit of concern, but. You know, that, the Braves team is pretty good that he faced and struggled against, you know, here at Boston. And then Astros on the road is not an easy sell at all. And obviously you're going to have to pitch better than that if they face off in the postseason. But um, I, I think, you know, it's a little too early to be really worried about him. Pomeranz, obviously, there's there's some, some cause for worry. Uh, Price, actually, I didn't think pitched that badly last night. But, you know, he's a guy who's, you know, obviously always a storyline around here and kind of, tries to be a storyline no matter what, even if things are going great. We saw with this moves forward. You know, the big uh, hole that could emerge would be in the rotation as, as we get toward the trade deadline. You know, if Pomeranz is not from the rotation, I think giving Stephen Wright a shot is a possibility. You know, Velasquez is a guy that provides some depth as well. But, you know, for me, if, if they're willing to really want to go for it and add a, add a piece at the trade deadline, it's going to be a starter. I think obviously your lineup is pretty good, and and the, and the bullpen has proven that it's you know very good in the back end there. So um, it's it's really the trade market hasn't developed so far. You really don't know who's available, and they don't have the prospects necessarily to get a big deal done, especially with the top two prospects. You know, one suspended, and one out for the year with Tommy John. So um, it'll be an interesting trade deadline. I think you know they're always looking to make moves, and and this year it's going to be a rotation piece, if anything. I think. So you mentioned the bullpen. I want to ask you because not a lot of people trust Joe Kelly. I mean, I don't, I don't know why. I, I am a believer of Joe Kelly, Jim Buchanan, as some might call him. Um, what is, what's your take on the eighth inning as a whole? Because I, I think Joe Kelly can lock it down. Obviously, we don't know when Thornburg's coming back. But you said that you don't believe they need to add a piece in the bullpen. So do you believe in Joe Kelly as your eighth inning guy? Yeah, I do. I think, you know, just the, the electric stuff, it seems like it's really all coming together, obviously. You know, a couple of nights ago, he struggled against Houston. But, uh, again, the, the Houston lineup is just ridiculous. So, you know, to pin a guy, you know, to get on a guy for struggling against them to me is, is kind of ridiculous. Obviously, like I said, you're going to have to pitch better against them in October. But that lineup is, is incredible, especially in, in Minute Maid Park. So, um, you know, not too worried there. I think Kelly is a guy that's going to be your long-term setup option. Matt Barnes has obviously been good. And, um, you know, I think maybe more of a – a dangerous lefty who could get guys out could help. You know, I don't know if that's something they're going to be interested in in July, but, you know, Thornburg, Carson Smith, you've gotten basically nothing from those guys over the last couple of years. Smith, we don't really know still the extent of that injury. Thornburg seems to be kind of up and down. And one guy I think who could be really good if he comes back and is in the majors and is healthy is Austin Maddox that a lot of people forget about. He was great last year when he came in. Excellent, really. And, you know, could add another dimension to that bullpen as as the season goes on. So, you know, there are a lot of options for them to make a move. Don't necessarily need to make a trade, but could you know get some of these guys from within that could contribute. And um, you know, they gave up a lot for these guys in trades. Carson Smith, they, that was a trade they gave up Wade Miley, I believe, and then obviously Travis Shaw for Thornburg. So you kind of want to see results for those guys, and we haven't seen that yet. Chris, I got a question for you. Uh, we're sitting here, you know, June third. Um, 40 wins for the Sox. They have the most wins in the league. Nobody's hit 40 yet to this point, except for Boston. But you still hear a lot of chatter around the league of Red Sox records deceiving. They're not as good as they really as they as they look like they are. They've beaten a lot of bad teams. So I'm curious, from your perspective, do you think this 40 and 19 records deceiving, or are they this good? You know, they've they've. What, what do you? I, I, those kind of questions. You know, what do people want them to do? They've taken care of business when they've played 
the bad teams. And, you know, obviously you know, you're really measured up when you play teams like Houston, Cleveland, the Yankees, I think, you know, four game series in Houston, it's, it's two, one right now. If they're able to split on the road, I think you take that, you know, tonight. And, um, for me, it's, it's, you know, obviously that's a criticism that's always out there. And, uh, but at the end of the day, the record's the record. They have the best record in baseball. You know, they've had, you know, a lot of issues. You know, if you, if you talked about the rotation, you know, performing how it has, you know, since, since the beginning with Pomeranz being so bad, Porcello being up and down, I think you definitely take this 40 and 19, you know, situation. If you knew that and that Mookie was going to be hurt for a stretch, Pedroia would have, you know, a setback and then Hanley was going to get released, all those types of problems. And, the whole David Price Fortnite thing, all the bad stories. It doesn't seem like that's coming from a forty and nineteen team, and here we are. So it's um, it's great, you know, it's great from a coverage standpoint because the team's great, and there's still controversy and there's still problems, and you know, a lot of good stories that always come out of it. But you know, hopefully for their sake, things can die down a little bit and be you know a little less rocky as they keep winning, um, you know, in the next couple months, and uh, a lot of a lot of good games against good teams coming up. Obviously, the Yankees a lot, Cleveland, and Houston, so. That's really the measuring stick. And I think another piece of this is that there's just not that many good teams. You know, we talk about, you know, parity in some leagues. And in this league, it's very polarized because a lot of teams are trying to lose. You know, we see the Rays who overperform and, you know, are about 500 to last week trade Colomay and Denard Span. And, you know, they're basically saying, even if we're overperforming, we're still going to make these trades. We're still committing to this rebuild all year long. So it's, um, fascinating to see these teams and their commitment to lose as they try to tear things down and you know a lot of good teams are going to really capitalize on that and and you know rack up the wins against them is that a good thing for the league chris like it seems like tanking well i mean it's talked about in the nba all the time um the tanking you know riggins to get wiggins when he got drafted like all that kind of stuff comes out um is it good for baseball because it's and it does, do you think it's going anywhere do you think it's actually going to be this trend that keeps going because houston tremendously rebuilded by sucking yeah, it's it's obviously you know you see cases of it working. Kansas City did it. The Cubs obviously did it. And the Astros that's your last three World Series champions, so you can't really hate on it when it works. But you know when you have twenty teams doing it, it's only going to work for one or two of them, and you know it's not going to work for the others. So I think it's not great for baseball when it happens at this rate. <clears throat> you know we saw a lot of teams not want to participate in free agency and that whole controversy that happened over the winter. If you think about the teams that actually made the moves, the Padres are the only exception with the Hosmer move. You know, the, the Astros went out and got Cole. The Red Sox got Martinez. The Cubs got Darvish. Um, you know, those types of moves were moves of the rich getting richer. And you didn't see a lot of teams really go out and be aggressive. And, um, you know, a lot of these bad teams, with the exception of, like, the Giants, the Phillies, and the Padres, really just looked to tank. So um, it's not good for baseball when you kind of – when you can predict the six division winners on opening day and have pretty good certainty that you'll be right. Obviously, things are not necessarily lined up so far this year but they weren't at this time last year and it ended up being the six everybody thought you know i think that is a problem so um we'll see where it goes i don't know what will happen in the next cba to try to quell that but the the owners are not happy the players association um probably is is even less happy with how things have gone so uh, we'll see how it transpires but you know overall for the league it's it's good if you're one of those good teams but not for the overall health of the league Chris, I'm I'm curious your thoughts on this. Who has been the most surprising team in the league this year, and then who has been like the biggest disappointment for you? Yeah, I think you kind of look at the teams that we thought that were going to be good, and you know, obviously the Red Sox, Yankees, Houston, Cleveland were right in there. I think you know Seattle has been a team that has been a pleasant surprise for me, and um, 
in the National League, I think Atlanta is, is has arrived a little bit earlier than a lot of people anticipated. You know, I think a lot of people really thought that there would be another year or two away. The fact that they're right in that race in the division is is very impressive. I think they're a surprise team to me. And and really in the disappointing one, I think, you know, the Dodgers obviously, you know, they're still right in there in the thick of things in the West. But, you know, people expected them to be dominant. Obviously, they, people, you can't expect the injuries to Turner and Seager, but that's that's still very tough to, you know, not be, you know, what was expected after a World Series run last year. And, um, you know, the health has been an issue. So it's still very early. I think, you know, the races are still very tight in a lot of ways, you know. The central, the whole National League is tight races with two or three teams involved. In some cases, four teams. So there's a lot of baseball left to be played, but nobody's really out of it. You know, the Nationals and the Dodgers started out pretty rough and looked like they were out of it and have played better to get back uh, into contention. So it'll be fun in the National League, and I think in the American League, it's really you know Red Sox, Yankees, Cleveland, and Houston. Seattle's you know finally seeming like they're contending for the first time in a while. Jerry Depoto is going to keep making trades. He's going to you know, trade the stadium if he needs to to get pieces <laughs> so they can make a run. So um, they'll be a fun team to watch at the trade deadline as they always are. And there's a lot of a lot of moves and a lot of games left to be played. So um, it's going to be a fun few months. All right, Chris, one more before we let you go. Um, back to the Red Sox real quick. Blake Swihart is an interesting situation the Red Sox are dealing with. And he is supposedly supposed to be catching this week. That's what Cora said. Uh, it was yesterday or this morning. But he... What what is your take on the most valuable spot he can play for this Red Sox team? Because I mean, I feel like it's about time he's going to get a shot behind the plate. But where do you see his future with the Red Sox if he stays on this team? Yeah, I think you know, obviously a catcher. They've had some a lot of issues with production behind the plate offensively. Vasquez with a big home run last night, but um, you know, not someone you can consistently rely on. I think you know, giving Swihart a chance behind the plate, you know, kind of. Might limit your bench a little bit, but you know, they're going to try it out to see if they can get some offense out of that spot. You know, he's obviously available to play in a variety of roles. When you have both Mookie and Pedroia out, a guy that you can sub into those positions. You know, really wherever. You know, I don't know, you know, what his preferred position is, but um, he's a guy that he's he needs if he wants to play. He's going to have to play a lot of different spots to be kind of a super utility guy. And you know, like like people have been saying the whole time, the Hanley move. It opens up a lot of a lot of playing time potentially for him. The Red Sox still think he has potential. You know, if they didn't, they would have DFA'd him over Hanley. So um, it's it's probably a catcher right now, just because you've seen some struggles there. And we'll see what happens with him in the next couple of weeks if if he's able to catch and, and produce. And if so, then we could see a move made with one of the other catchers to get some of this roster flexibility back. Mm-hmm. You know, Leon obviously a candidate. Um, you know, Leon I think is a guy who is. It's surprising how long he's been on the team, considering he was just like a waiver wire pickup and has produced really well at times. But you know, if, if Swihart's performing, he's definitely a candidate to be off the roster, especially when they get you know Mookie and Pedroia back in the next few weeks. Is there any chance he's traded, or is it the better he plays, the more often, the more likely it is that he stays at this point because of the Hanley move? Yeah, I think it's, it's the better he plays, the the chances are better that he does stay, just because he hasn't gotten that extended opportunity, and it's really hard to play well when you're. You know, getting your one at bat every five days as he kind of has been, you know, before the handling move. And, um, you know, it's it's definitely um, a tough situation where the Red Sox have committed to keeping him on the roster. So um, they've done that for a while, and he's still here somehow. I think that's a bit of an upset. And, you know, he requested the trade, and, and things worked out to where he's now going to get some more playing time. So now's really his chance to, to kind of cement himself as someone who deserves this roster spot because I think a lot of people look at that from the outside and say, you know, this kid hasn't done enough to deserve that to this point. 
All right, Chris Cotillo, MassLive.com, uh, newest Red Sox beat writer. Chris, appreciate it. Uh, good luck at your first week at Fenway. I know you don't need it, but uh, congrats again on the new gig, and hopefully we can have you back on down the, uh, down the old line here. Sounds good, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. All right, again, uh, Chris Cotillo, MassLive, at Chris Cotillo on Twitter. If you're not already following him, you're moronic because he's a great baseball follow as it is. Kid was breaking baseball stories left and right over like Ken Rosenthal when he was 15 years old. Um, so he's, he's killing it. He already sounds like a polished beat writer and hasn't even been to Fenway yet. So um, appreciate him jumping on. I'm sure he'll be back on at some point during the year, but it worked out because he hasn't gone to Fenway yet. So we had him at our disposal. Um, a lot of interesting things you know that he especially because his perspective is not being in there every day he'll probably he'll obviously get a lot more insight when he starts to cover the team every day but the biggest thing for me is he thinks this bullpen's okay um he thinks that yeah. the back end is okay and i'm okay with it it's not the biggest need they they need some help to get this starting pitching with consistency but m- there might be a, a, a hole there i think the eighth inning is still a problem jess yeah, I mean, Joe Kelly's good at times, but then, he, you know, he, ha- he has his games like, you know, Friday night where he gives up two home runs when you're only down a run, and now all of a sudden you're down four. I mean, that's not good. You need to block down that eighth inning, and you think with the 9,900-mile-per-hour fastball, he'd be doing that, but he's inconsistent. He's good most of the time, but he has those blow-ups occasionally. I don't know if you can fully trust him. Like, nobody's going to trust him as much as they trust the ninth inning with Kimbrel. Yep. So, like, do you have Kelly? Do you have Barnes? There's always the Thornburg thing lingering. Carson Smith, who, who the heck knows? I can't believe we haven't even learned anything the, He's probably done yet. in a Red Sox uniform, to be honest. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. The fact that we haven't heard anything yet is probably not a good sign for him. No. So, yeah, I have, you know, I think people overreact about bullpens quite a bit because it's the nature of a bullpen. When you're good, nobody cares. And when you're bad, it's people the overreact to it. problem ever, yeah. Right, that happens. So I don't think it's as big of a problem as most people are acting like it is because, you know, you hear a lot of people, oh, the bullpen's the worst but ever. But it's a problem, okay. though. There That's is some bullpen. issues. But, right, they're not 100% locked down and all the positions aren't secure except for the ninth inning. So I think you could you could do well to get somebody else. But getting Bobby Pointer, I'm interested to see how he does because he started off the year well, then he got hurt. Now he's back with the, the recent DL stints to Betts and Pedroia. So I am curious to see how he does as a lefty out of the pen. Yeah, it's it's just one of those situations where it's tough because you want – most lockdown bullpens are what helps you win World Series. You saw the Royals do it. The Yankees are, were one step away, and they their bullpen was locked down. It's just one of those things where – you need an eighth inning guy. Sixth and seventh, it can fluctuate. It's never a great situation, but you need an eighth inning guy. And I want it to be Joe Kelly. I really do because I love Joe Kelly. I love the Jim Buchanan thing. I just love everything about his fight and tenacity, and he wants to be the eighth inning guy. People have asked him, right? So it's right. – I just want him to – and the last couple of times he's been out there, he's been okay. He got rocked the first time against Houston, but last night uh, on Saturday as we record this on Sunday, he – he was good. He only allowed a run. He got the job done. He's fine and handed the ball to Kimbrell, and that's pretty much locked down most times when you give the ball to Kimbrell. So mm-hmm. that's the recipe for success. We don't know what Thornburg is going to be. I don't want to bank on him, but every time we've seen him pitch, even if it's in the minors, his stuff's looked great. I just don't think they felt like he was 100% ready yet with Thornburg, so they, they pulled it back and then put him back in the stint because I think there's a rule out there, Jess, which I honestly don't even 100% knew about. It was like you can't have your rehab stint go too long, more than like 30 days, but if you pause it, if you pause yeah. it, then it stops counting until you start it over. So that's I think that was their goal because I think they think he's not that far away, but they didn't want to keep him going if there was any injury problems or pain because then in that fact, then it, they won't be able to do as long, potentially as long as they want to. So I wouldn't think that Tyler Thornburg's too far away. He's definitely an addition rather than a subtraction. Um, you just got to get something out of that guy because 
man is Travis Shaw raking in Milwaukee, and that looks like a boneheaded move right now, especially the way Devers is hitting. Um, right. For so first place team too for for Travis Shaw. Milwaukee's yeah. in first. So yeah, I mean, I guess this thoracic outlet outlet syndrome is something serious that Thornburg had because who knew it would take this long for to come back from? It's crazy. I mean, it's taken forever. Yeah, it's it's got to be some serious injury. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. So um, two biggest things I, I do want to touch on because um, run out of time here, but. Let's start with Drew Pomerantz because one, you love Drew Pomerantz. You're, you're a Drew Pomerantz. I do. Guy. What's going on with your guy, Jess? What's happening with Drew Pomerantz right now? He's he's sucking. He seems to have no confidence in anything he's doing. From what I can see, it's just like it's like he goes out there and expects to be bad. He expects to walk people. He expects to throw way too many pitches and way too few innings. You know, every third or fourth inning, you're already up to like 70, 75, 80 pitches. I'm like that's no. That's no way to go deep into a game, and that's what he was so good at last year was he pitched literally six, seven innings every time he took the mound. Yep. Now he can barely pass four or five. So it seems like a confidence thing to me. I don't this think his stuff's really that bad. He just isn't able to control it, and he's not able to go deep into games. And then he makes a couple of mistakes, you know, a home run here, a home run there. It's, it's like he didn't even pitch that bad in the first game against Houston. He just gave up one home run in the first inning and then a couple of big hits that got a couple more runs. That was really it. Other than that, he was fine. He had a couple of good innings. So it's like I don't think he's that far away, but I think he needs to have one good game. Even if that's against a bad team, I don't care. If it's this week against you know Detroit or the White Sox, that's all he needs, I think, because he really was a confident pitcher last year, and he seems to have none this year. Yeah. I think that's the problem. It probably is. Um, I, I would say if he doesn't have a good start this week, you might want to think about giving yes. him some time in the bullpen. Um, he's, he's nearing the end of that like point. Like, that, like leash? <laughs> how about this guy not pitch anymore? Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, like, Stephen Wright, pr- probably the most obvious cho- choice, right? He's been lights out since he came back i think he's earned the shot because especially because he was the starter he was a starter last year and was pretty good so i think that's the logical choice you know you do have hector velasquez out there as well who's been lights out all year so it's one of those things where you kind of have to choose i would say give the nod to steven wright because of he's been a starter on this team his his stuff looks good right now um i would say do that but i think pomeran's this week's the last start you got to get especially because it's going to be against a bad team um you put him in the bullpen I would put him in the bullpen. Just, you just, you just swap him, him and swap him in right. Yeah. You got to let him pitch. The thing is, he's not just gonna like don't just DL stint him because you know what I mean. Like it's one of those things where give him a long relief role. It's gonna change him up a little bit, but maybe his mentality needs to be flipped. Maybe he's just getting too comfortable because he knows he's not gonna get pulled. You need to flip him. You need to get him off that starting rotation. You got to give him some time to work out of it and maybe a different kind of role. Right, and you know they don't want to do it. They don't want to take him out of the rotation after the year he had last year. Oh, they would have already. That. They would have done it already if they really wanted to. Right, so I think they're hoping and just banking that he's gonna have a good start next week, and then just be like, "All right, here he is. He's staying now. He's yeah, good." Yeah, that's what that, that's what you can tell us what they're waiting for. Um, other Sox news: uh, Rafael Devers hasn't been good um, no. at all, which makes I mean, he's young, right? You have to think he's gonna hit out of it, but you do have an option here to send him back down to AAA, let him work out of it. No pressure situation, right? You go to the minors. No one watches those games, and. Then you let him come back up when he's ready. You have Nunez who can play third if you have to. You have Brock Holt who can stay over there at third. Um, Just what do you do with Devers? I'm one to just let him hit it out because I don't think you really have a better option consistently. Um, I'd rather just keep Devers up here. But what would you do if you're Dave Dombrowski and the Red Sox? Well, first thing I want to say is that I kind of called this. 
because of my predictions. I didn't necessarily call the average, but I said he wasn't going to hit more than 14 homers this year, and he's at 9, so, like, he probably will hit more than that. I'll say, he might still hit more than 14. (laughs) But, like, my point with that prediction was that he's not going to be as good as people thought he was going to be this year, and that's exactly what's happened, because he has not been, and his average is garbage. He's down to 227, I believe. He strikes out a ton, and he strikes out almost every at-bat. Well, it's people people figuring him out, is what it is. Right. I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't mind sending him back to AAA, because... He's young enough, you know, he's 21 or 20, whatever he is. He's super young, and he's really, I mean, he's really a hole in that lineup now because he's still hitting, like, you know, fifth, sixth, and he's striking out two to three times a game, and he hasn't really done anything for quite a while. So I think that it might be a good idea to drop him for a minute. Nunez and Holt are both playing pretty well right now. Nunez has gotten some hits recently, so put him at second, put Holt at third, or vice versa, whichever one works better for you. I think that might not be a bad thing because I think Devers is in his own head. People are catching on to him, and he's striking out at an unbelievable rate. So he's really not doing anything for your team at the moment for, like, the last two weeks. Yeah, no, and I wouldn't be mad either way. I think either way you're in a spot where it's not going to be a huge deal, whatever you do. Um, but I'm just a fan in general of letting people just hit it out and figure it out. Um, and because Me he's too, so- but when you have two guys that can do what he's doing if, or more, I think that makes more sense. It can be, and that's the thing. If you're going to send him down, it's got to be like a week or two. Get him some bats down there and bring him back up. Right. Like, the longer right. he's down there, the worse his confidence is going to get. That's the only concern with me. Is if you bring him down there, you got to be down there for a week, get some work in, get some extra bats, and then bring him back up. Because at a young age, he was given a lot, um, but for a good reason, right? He raked last year when he came up here. So you, you have to give right. him some time if you're going to do it, but it can't be too long. Because then the longer he's down there, that means you don't have confidence to bring him back up, and then he's going to feel stuck. Um, right. This would be a good time, though. He's, he's, I'm looking at his numbers. He's two for his last 20. So this is the prime time. This right would be, if you're going to do it, it now, it would be the time to do it. That's right. for sure. You're like, oh, you're two for your last 20. Go down to Pawtucket, rake, hit hit the pitching. It's not as good. Get confidence. Come, come back. back up. Yeah. No, I think I think so. it wouldn't be a bad idea, um, but I am a fan of hit it out and fi- hit it hit it out and figure it out. And just kind of go for the I don't think they're going to do it. I think they're going to keep him here. No, I think they're going to keep him here, too. Um, yeah. And I want to get your take on this because we, we know Bet's DL situation we don't have to really worry about it. It's more of a precautionary thing. They've said it. Um, he would be playing if it was later in the year, but he doesn't want to take one swing and be gone for the year. I get it. I'm okay with that. That's fine. Um, but the, the Pedroia situation is what's really throwing me off because Hanley was released, DFA'd, then released, for Dustin Pedroia to come back, assuming he was ready. Kid Guy went one for 10, whatever it was. When he came back, couldn't hit. A couple nice defensive plays, but just didn't look right. And now he's back on the DL, and now you're over here without Hanley, and now you got to figure it out. Jess, overall, what was your take on Hanley? Because you weren't on last week, so I'll give you that spotlight. Um, what do right. you think about Hanley? But then also, like, I think they messed. I, even, obviously, it's hindsight, right? You, you know, you, you didn't know what was going to happen with Pedroia, but I do think they might have rushed him back because if this is ha- if this happened this quickly, there had, there's no way he was 100. percent Well, I don't think they rushed him back because it took so long, and he had so many rehab. I mean, they they, they really kind of babied him back i don't think it was too soon but then you also heard them say like this could have been expected you know they knew there was going to be pain here or there and soreness so like it didn't really seem to surprise them which makes me hopeful this is going to be a short time thing and that he's going to be okay even though it's concerning because of his age so i don't know with that it seems like they didn't rush him but clearly something still wasn't right so i'm not sure about that in terms of hanley um well obviously when it happened thinking Pedroia was coming back I mean, you've heard me the past the past three years in this show. I've never really liked Hanley. I've never been a fan. He kind of annoys me to no end. So 
from a personnel standpoint and a me liking him standpoint, I was 100% fine with it because I'm just kind of tired of the guy. And then once he hit 0 for 20, like I was like, and his average is down to like 250 now. He's dropped like 80 points in the last month. So I was cool with it from that perspective. It is. I was completely shocked. Very strange to do that when you have such a good team and he's hitting, you know, third, second, third, fourth in your lineup. That's just weird. You don't see that very often. So I was shocked from that perspective. I was happy in terms of not liking a perspective. Do I think it was the right move? Maybe. I really wasn't sure. I was kind of on both sides of it. I was like, well, this is good and this is bad. I didn't really know what to think. Now the Pedroia's out. Now it obviously looks worse because you lose Ramirez, you lose Pedroia, and you lose Betts. So I mean, in, kind of happening. Yes, in what world do you does your number three hitter or number two hitter at times just get DFA'd from a first place team? It's not like they're in last, like ever. And, and Chris was one hundred percent right. He said it earlier in the show, right? They're never going to say it publicly. It's always baseball reasons, especially because that, then they can't get sued, basically. Um, right. But it was for that option. They didn't want to pay him. Right, they didn't want to pay And they didn't, they didn't right. want to take the time to manage his at-bats. They said, you know what, this is a good time. He's not playing well. It's a baseball decision. Right. We love you, Hanley. Bye-bye. That's what it was. That was it 100%. It's because it was the perfect timing. Just because he was – I bet you if he was 10 for his last 20, they wouldn't have, it wouldn't have happened. No. Yeah. It was just because he hadn't gotten a hit. It was the perfect timing. Mitch Moreland was cranking the ball. Still is. Still is. Yep. So they, they, they said, this is perfect. He's not hitting. He is hitting. We don't want him next year. We don't want to pay him. This is the perfect time to get rid of him. That's I, do, I do believe it was Cora's decision. Like I believe he initiated it because I don't think Dombrowski would have thought to do this initially. Well, yeah, Cora's probably tired of having to have Moreland on the bench and having guys that aren't playing playing well and then having the big name of Hanley coming in and going over 4 every game. I'm sure he got tired of dealing with that, and he didn't know what to do. Yeah. So he's like, let's just get rid of him. You don't want him next year anyway, so let's just get rid of him now. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... I'm fine with it. It's just annoying now that Pedroia's out, because that was, like, part of the reason why it happened. Yeah, they did it because Pedroia was fine. But if they bl- if they thought... if they thought, And that was me in air quotes. You can't see me doing that. But, like, if if they really thought Pedroia was 100%, then it's fine, right? Because he's going to come back. You can get Moreland in there, but... Clearly, they they threw something was still wrong because, if, like you said, Jess, if they're still expecting soreness, if they're still if they're not surprised by Pedroia going back on DL, then exactly. then why are you doing it? I under, you didn't rush him back because it took forever, but you can kind of say you rushed him back because if you still are expecting pain, let him wait. I don't care. Right. Like until he's pain free, why risk it? Because then this is going to happen. You're going to make a big move at the right time. And believe me, I partially think that they did it now because it was the right time to get rid of Hanley. Right, like if Hanley if Hanley was hitting fine, they really didn't know who to get rid of. Pedroia, you can stay down. Wait till you're not sore. Oh, but now it's a oh you're good. You think you can play through the pain? Great. Let's get rid oh, of Hanley. Hanley sucks. Next. All right, let's get rid of Hanley. <laughs> oh, what's good? That's a you know. What I mean, the more I talk about it, the more I think it's a perfect storm. It was a uh, Pedroia can blow through the pain. Great. Let's just get rid of Hanley now. Yeah, and that's too bad. And that's I mean that's strange thinking that they would do that knowing that Pedroia might not be fully. I don't even want to say fully healthy because it seems like he is fully healthy. It's just with the surgery he had and how major it was, they expected that he might have soreness after playing for a week. Then wait, a week or like so. I don't get it. Like you can get rid of Hanley whenever. Right. It's not like he was going to hit out of this. He was hitting like crap. Um, right. And, and one thing, if you just leave him on the bench and then get rid of like in a week, like we, I thought Pedroia came back earlier than he was supposed to. They announced he's coming back. I'm like, oh, I thought it was going to be at least another week. So that's what throws me off. And I, I truly believe that it was a, uh, oh, we can get rid of Hanley. Pedroia can play through it. Screw it. Bye. And yeah. now it's not a team first decision; it's a it's a organizational future first type situation, which is annoying because they're and trying now they to win now. Stupid. And now they look dumb because, because no Pedroia, no Betts, no Ramirez for you know one of the biggest, probably the biggest the series biggest besides series so far. series up yep. to this point. Yep. So 
now you just feel kind of stupid because now you're, now you're not fooling, playing at nearly full strength at the end of, at the beginning of June against the Astros. So you just kind of end up looking stupid, which obviously they didn't plan to happen, but it's it is what happened. So it's unfortunate. So you just hope they win, split with Houston, get bets back, and hope Pedroia is now too long. Really, I mean that's that's what you got to hope. Yeah. No, and we'll. Um, it's just it's it's annoying. You have to hope it all goes right now. Is really to get themselves out of muddy water. But uh, before we get out of here for the week. Um, Predictions time. Jess was not on predictions last week, so I get to do it this week. Uh, three versus Detroit. Three versus Chicago. Uh, the White Sox, not the Cubs. Um, what do you got going on in that Detroit series, Jess? We're talking about this week being a good week to kind of recoup some confidence for people. Um, what's your confidence in this team going into this week? Yeah, uh, good overall. Um, but for this series, I'm picking two out of three. Um, partially because the Tigers have won four games in a row, and they're finally starting to figure it out a little bit. They're 28-30 and 30 right now. They are not one of the worst teams in the AL. They were for a while, but they're second in that horrendous AL Central, which is the most pathetic division. This is absolutely – Chris was talking about the the bad teams in the league, 20 bad teams in the league. I mean, the AL Central is the worst of the worst. They make the NL West look good, and the NL West, the leading team, is two games over 500. So I, I think the Central is pathetic. Both these teams are in the Central, but Detroit has come back. They're only two and a half games behind the Indians now at 28 and 30. They do suck on the road. They're 9 and 18 on the road, and this is obviously a road game because it's at Fenway. But even with that said, you know, I don't know when Betts, uh, Betts won't be coming back for the series. They're early to come back is Friday. So for all those reasons, I'm picking a win two out of three. Yeah, think? no, I like that. And I think, you know, you, you talk about cleaning up on bad teams. You, you know, you've won some games against good teams, right? You win two out of three against Atlanta last week, which is a good team. We've talked about it with, again with Chris, too. Yes. They're a good team up and coming. That's a good series. Sweep Toronto. Houston, obviously, you're looking, to split, this, you're looking to split at this point. Um, but... Against Detroit, I, I do think you take it. I, I think you go through because Erod's been pitching well. I do think Pomeranz bounces back, um, which means he's going to stay in the rotation, which is awful. Um, hopefully, I mean, I want him to be what, <laughs> what he was last good. year. I want him to be what he was yeah. last year, but that confidence start. I think he. I think you get that confidence start, and then Chris Sale pitching against Detroit. I, you have to think he comes out and pitches well. I, I go. I'm going with sweep against Detroit just because of the fact of who you All have right. pitching. Okay, knocking Detroit back down a notch a little yeah, bit. After. Screw Detroit, they're terrible. Um, <laughs> so Chicago White Sox, the uh, definitely the worst of the two Chicago teams. Uh, you have Price, Porcello, Erod. Erod gets twice this week um, against the White Sox. Before you go, Jess, I'm, I go, I go and th- uh, they're sweeping the White Sox. Too. They're sweeping this week. I, I hate Six to, and I love to, be, I hate All to right. be optimistic. You know me, but like looking at who they're playing and the pitching, man, it's just the White Sox are garbage. So like, if anything, it's going to be a sweep because. They're just not playing well at all, and the Red Sox need this kind of week, especially if they if they win tonight against Houston. I think they'll ride that split momentum and, and kind of take care of this week and then go on the road for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I like your thought process. I mean, it's really – I mean, the Sox are 20-8 and eight at home, and the Tigers, as I said, 9-18. and 18. The White Sox, even worse, 8-19. and 19. These are the second and third worst road teams in the American League, so that's not saying a whole lot for them against a 20-8 and eight Red Sox team at home, which is the – second best in the AL. So I like what you're thinking. I'm going sweep as well over the White Sox. I, it's really hard not to pick a sweep when you've got a 40-19 and 19 team going against 17. It'll be different. The records will be different in five days. But uh, Betts should be coming back starting that day. That'll give us a boost of fresh Mookie Betts, who hasn't played in a couple weeks. So 
if they don't sweep that series, I will be surprised because that's 100% a series you got to sweep. So I got five and one this week, which is great. Put them back on track. They already had the best record in the league, and that will just that will just uh, add on to that. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, funky situation. The Red Sox are technically not in first place, but they are. It's, it's a weird situation because all these games are getting canceled for the Yankees. Um, yeah, they've played so many less. Yeah, they've played so many less, less games. games. See, they, and they got rained out again today. So like, it just they just keep, really yeah they just oh keep getting rained out. So hopefully when these games get made up, they're not losing ground to the uh, Red Sox. Aren't losing ground. But right now you're technically not in first place, but you have more wins. It's weird. Um, but either way, five and one or six and a week, that's gonna change that can really help change that tide and put you back up there by a couple games depending on how the yanks do but we know it it's going to be a chase between the two teams all year it probably comes down to the last weekend of the season to be honest like which it should just be. how we wrote it up just how we wrote it up yankees red sox all the <laughs> way through it everybody else in our division just sucks so uh we'll end it there shout out again to chris cotello from mass live uh, newest red sox beat writer he said it here he's hopping on Fenway at the Fenway Beat this week, so uh, keep an eye out for his tweets. He'll be live in there. Uh, appreciate him coming on at Chris Cotello if you don't follow him already. He's been in the game for a while, folks, so he's going to be a good one for a long time. Uh, that is Jess Thomas on that side. Don't forget on Twitter at Red Sox Beat. Uh, not, not anymore. I lied. At Red Sox CLNS. That is old habit right there. Uh, Facebook <laughs> Red Sox Street Podcast at CLNS Media on Twitter. Uh, and rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Like I said, Jess over there. I am Jared Scally. This has been Red Sox Beat. Here on CLNS Media, we'll be back next week.